Matthew chapter 3, and I'll read verse 16 and 17. Just as a background, Matthew chapter 3 and verse 16 was about the baptism of Jesus at the River Jordan. Uh, John the Baptist baptized him. He happened to be his cousin and, you know, um, he had prophesied about him. There's one that is coming, you know, and all that. Then Jesus showed up and he was baptizing at River Jordan. And baptism is supposed to be like, a, 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 like an affirmation or like a, a public, you know, declaration of your stand for God. So, in verse 16 here, when he had been baptized, talking about Jesus, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. Look at verse 17. And suddenly, a voice came from heaven, saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Help me tell your neighbor one more time, I'm the beloved of the Lord. The Lord. Say, I am the true beloved of God. The there was a public affirmation of the person of Christ at the River Jordan. Jesus experienced an affirmation from his heavenly father at the river Jordan. And that experience changed everything for him. It changed everything for him. It's important to note that at this point, Jesus was about 30. He had done a few things with his life, but none of those things, uh, none was good enough for record purposes, apart from some of the some of the funny stuff he did as a child. Um, escaped behind his parents, went and sat with the, in the synagogue with the doctors of the law and was reasoning with them. You know, a few of those things. Outside of that, not much. Yeah. So, God in Genesis, I mean, sorry, in Matthew chapter 3 and verse 17, affirmed his love for Jesus while he was yet to do anything meaningful with his life. The ultimate of Christ's life was to take away the sins of the world. When John saw him, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. He was speaking prophetically. He was speaking about the totality of the essence of the mission of Christ on earth. He himself was aware of that, that he came to die for my sins and your sins. He was yet to do anything about it at all. He was yet to raise his first dead person or heal the sick. But God looked at him at the river Jordan. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. So God told Jesus, I'm pleased with you. And it has nothing to do with what you can do or what you can't do. It also has nothing to do with what you have or what you don't have. I'm just pleased with you. I love you. You are my beloved. Reading through that then gives an opportunity for you and I to try to internalize what went on at the River Jordan and to come into the shoes of Jesus and to try to really soak ourselves in that experience. 
to come to the realization and the acceptance of the fact that God loves me the way I am and it has nothing to do with where I've been or where I'm going. God loves me the way I am. It has nothing to do with what I've done or what I've refused to do. God loves me the way I am. It has nothing to do with what I have in my bank account, whether home or abroad. <laughs> God loves me the way I am. It doesn't have anything to do with whether you love me or not. He made his decision before you made up your mind. <laughs> Glory be to Jesus. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. The moment you receive an affirmation or you accept the love of God, the devil comes to try that love out to see whether it's real or not or whether you really have a good understanding of what you are dealing with or not. And with a lot of Christians today, um, we fall into that temptation and we fail a lot of time woefully. We call it the temptations of Jesus. The temptations of Jesus. So when you move into Matthew chapter 4, the Bible says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Verse 2 says, And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, afterwards he was hungry. Now when the tempter came to him, he said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. Just in chapter 3 and verse 17, God looked at Jesus, the heavens opened, and he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus, I mean, the devil came, the tempter came, and said, prove it. <laughs> prove it. Many people are living their lives based on performance. Yeah. And what you want to prove. What are you trying to prove to somebody? Yeah, I'm confronting somebody here this morning. Maybe you are living your life just to prove a point. Not many people are interested in the point. You know, you can be very miserable in life if you are living your life to prove a point to people who are not interested in any point. Yeah. You're just troubling your life doing, you know, all these seemingly useless things just to prove a point. God said, I'm not interested in your point. I love you the way you are. I've accepted you the way you are. Don't prove any point to me. Just love me back. Love yourself and love everyone around you. Yeah. So Jesus escaped the temptations of the devil. And we will be able to escape the temptations that our world presents to us today if we will take the stand that it took. If we will understand or walk in the same realization or the same understanding that he walked in. One was that Jesus knew the word of God. So he was able to answer the devil with the word. But the second and most powerful was that Jesus was living and swimming in the rivers of God's deep love that is in Christ Jesus. And he accepted that experiential affirmation of God's deep love for him as the reality of his life. So, when the devil came and said, perform, turn stone to bread, Jesus said, I don't have to perform. I'm already the son of God. Yeah. I don't have to perform. God already loves me the way I am. The devil then came, second temptation, 
He said, he took him to the pinnacle of the temple and he said, look at everything. Bow down here and worship me. I'll give you everything, everything. Jesus said, you shall not worship any other person except for God. And by the way, it's not about possession. I'm already loved of God. It's not about what I have or what I don't have. Because our world is always telling us, you know, look around you. Everybody has something that you don't have. <laughs> and that, that drives us crazy. Yeah. That's part of the reason why some people will wake up in the morning and tell themselves, is this where your mates are? Yeah. I mean, you know, you know there's inspirational dissatisfaction and there's depressing dissatisfaction. Where you look at your car and say, is this the kind of car that your mates are riding? Yeah. And you know, when you start to talk to yourself like that and do that, that's why the car will stop on the road again. Yeah. And then when the car stops on the road, you know, it's from one thing to the other, and the devil just keeps messing you up. You know, and then you get home, you feel so miserable. Your wife greets you, you won't answer. You know, children are talking, and you just shut them down. Everybody, get away! Leave this place! Yeah. Can I get some quietness? You know, all those kind of things, and just, you know, just become irritable. Yet, they know their father is a believer. You know, this Christian is going crazy. <laughs> so the, the kids are thinking, you know, something's wrong with daddy. Or something's wrong with mommy. Yeah. It's just because we're looking for something that we're not supposed to be looking for. That's supposed to run after us. <laughs> There's power in understanding and in the knowledge of who you are in Christ Jesus. It's important for somebody here this morning to note that living and swimming in the rivers of God's deep love for us in Christ is the very heart of true spirituality. There's no spirituality outside of the acceptance of God's love. Everything else that we do outside of that is building on sand, not the rock. Yeah. If my Christianity will progress and it's not from the standpoint of the acceptance of God's love for me is fake Christianity. Yeah. I'm going to start to chase God for what to get. Yeah. I'm going to start to chase God for who to become when I'm already who I am. It's the same trick that the devil used on Eve. He said you're going to become like God. You're already God. Man was created in the image and likeness of God. How can somebody now come and say, if you eat this food, you will become like God? Who else are you like? Are you like a frog? No. <laughs> let us make man in our image. After our likeness. And let them have dominion. And then the devil came and said, you still need something. Yo. You need something. When you, <laughs> when you eat that one, that's when you really become like God. And he fell for it. Adam fell for it. And then humanity went into trouble. And the devil came again to Jesus. The same rhetoric. No new thing. Do you wonder how powerful really the devil is? Because he has not changed his trick all this while. He's, I mean, but he knows the, 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 you know, the weaknesses of our flesh. That this trick always works for us. That's why he has, there's no need to invent something new. <laughs> It's so old and experienced. 
It helps me so hold and experience it. I mean, that's all. Yeah. And it just knows that this thing works. Yeah. And we can keep using it. We can keep using it. Drive them into performance. Drive them into possession. Drive them into, you know, popularity and fame and all that. And then they're going to lose it. Yeah. You don't have to change it. Just keep that one. And it's been there forever. Yeah. It's been there forever. Glory be to Jesus. So how should we judge real spirituality? The love walk is a demonstration of emotional maturity and real spirituality. Yeah, that's, that's the real demonstration. You see, when, when I have accepted God's love, it's starting to affect how I live my life. It's the basis for my Christianity. That's the standpoint for healthy spirituality. You know, there's dirty spirituality. Some people are religious, not really spiritual, because how do you explain somebody who prays all night and gets home and still keeps malice? Yeah, you went for night VG. You pray to God all night, and then you, you got home, your sister-in-law that lives with you. You have been fighting her for two weeks. I've not been talking. With all this spiritual exercise all night, if it's not religion, when you get on, you should at least say good morning. Am I saying the truth, somebody? Yeah. Anything short of that is dirty spirituality. You're not spiritual, you're just religious. Yeah. Because your emotion is getting the better part of you. <laughs> it's destroying the foundation of your spiritual life. Why will you keep malice? It's just emotional imbalance. <laughs> so, truly and truly, you can't be spiritual. Real spirituality will have something to do with your emotional health and your emotional balance. You can't be following God consistently, praying. The Bible says when we pray, Philippians 4, verse 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything through prayer, supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And say the peace of God, that pastor will understand, should come into your heart. That prayer is fake if it doesn't bring peace to your heart. When peace comes to your heart, depression will start to leave you. Anxiety will start to leave you. Yeah. You, you, can't, you, can't, you can't be living in depression and say you are I'm, I'm spiritual. No. No. There are certain spiritual exercises that without any therapy, <laughs> the devil starts to leave you. That demon of depression will start to leave you. I'm telling you the truth. Counseling and all that is icing on the cake. When you are really engaging the grace that flows from Jesus, what happens? It has a way of impacting positively in your innermost being. And your inner self is your true self. It's therefore mere religion and dirty spirituality if your spiritual life has no correlation with your emotional well-being. So, true spirituality is the strength of your love work. Spiritual maturity is evidenced by the fruits of the spirit, not the gift of the spirit. Yeah. Spiritual maturity is evidenced by the fruit of the spirit, not the gift of the spirit. Not the gift of the spirit. Yeah. 
So don't neglect your emotional development while struggling to be seen as spiritually relevant. Some of us have neglected our emotional development while we are struggling to be seen as a spiritual person. Yeah, a spiritual person, but everything is just, you know, just a facade. You're just putting it up just for people to see and think that you are a spiritual person. Now, let, let's look quickly into what happens when you have allowed the Spirit of God in you to continually affirm you and bear fruit through you so that you're not pushed here and there by what is going on out there. There's a kind of life that panders to everything that I described. There's another kind of life that just allows God to just live through you. In Galatians chapter 5, when you read from verse 19, the Bible talks about the fruits of the flesh. Somebody who is pandering to the flesh, the whims and caprices of the flesh, the things that the flesh love, possession, uh, you know, fame, uh, you know, show, all those things. When that has consumed you, there's a way it shows up. So in the message translation, it talks to that all those things that we call, you know, the fruit of the flesh. It's a lot, you know. So it's obvious the kind of life, uh, what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, you know, uh, stinking accumulation of mental and emotional baggage, uh, frenzied and joyless grab for happiness, you know, and all that. These are all the things that will show up when all you think about is, you know, just like Jesus ran away, but if you plug yourself into trying to prove that point, this is what will show up. Your spirituality will be so dirty. You will profess to be a Christian, but these are all the things you'll be doing. Yeah. Addictions, you know, ugly parody community, parodies of community. You know, like the writer says, I could go on. Yeah. Just, just go on and on. These are all the things that will show up. But the truth is that the fruit of the Spirit speak to emotional health and maturity. They speak to emotional health and maturity. The things that really signal that I'm emotionally okay. Those are the things that the fruit of the Spirit speak to. Uh, I, want to I want us to do a, a personal assessment. Yeah. Everything in that scripture, I put it in like a table. And I wanted to just look through it and say, is my flesh still ruling me in one way or the other? Like this. All these things that are written here. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex, mental and emotional baggage, frenzied uh, pursuit of happiness, uh, trinket gods, that's materialism, magic show, religion, sensational spirituality, which leads nowhere. Yeah. Paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition. The list is there. I want you to just look through. Just read it on your own. Just look through. Yeah. Unsatisfied wants, brutal, you know, uh, temper, and some people say, that's how I was born. That's just me. In our family, we're always very angry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you have been saved now 10 years. And it's still about your earthly family. What about your spiritual family? In God's family, are we also very angry? Because <laughs> after a while, you know, 
the love of God inside should, should show where you, are, where you are from. Are we still together? I said, are we still together? Yeah, so you see it like that. Inability to love or be loved. Divided home and divided life. Small-minded, lopsided pursuit. Uh, seeing everyone as a rival. Uncontrolled addiction. Ugly community or friendships. These are all the things. I mean, this is just for message translation. I didn't, I didn't make it up. Yeah, I'm not that good. Yeah. So, <laughs> this, is, this is for message translation. Yeah, of the Bible. And I'm talking about Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19 and 20. And immediately, if we compare that to uh, the fruits of the Spirit. Yeah. The fruits of the Spirit. In the King James and New King James, you see words like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. In the message translation, you see phrases and words that explain it better. Affection for others, that's love. Exuberant life, that's joy. Serenity, that's peace. Willingness to stick with things and people, that's patience. Compassion, that's kindness. Holiness, that's goodness. Loyalty, that's faithfulness. You loyal to people around you. Yeah. Not forcing your way in life, that's gentleness. Not forcing yourself on things or forcing yourself on people, that's gentleness. And directing energies wisely, that's self-control. We all have energy. But how do we direct it wisely? These are the fruits of the Spirit. This is the test of real spirituality. This is how we know who is spiritual. It's not by how many prophetic words you can give. It's not by gifts of the Spirit. This is how we really know who is spiritual. And the standpoint for this is accepting the love of God into your heart. That's the foundation for it. The love of God is shed abroad in our heart by the Holy Spirit whom he has given to us. Then we start to cultivate that love from our innermost being. And the fruit of cultivating that love is what you see here. 